criticism has come out about Kayvon Thibodeau. Could his draft stock be falling ahead of the April 2022 NFL draft? We'll talk about that. And Oregon basketball, for the first time ever, sweeps Colorado and Utah on the road. What that means and where they stand heading into March, just a few weeks away. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every weekday. Remember to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review if you have not already. And if you'd be so kind and want to leave a nice comment, that always makes me feel good because I love hosting the show and I like to know that you are enjoying it. If you ever want a question answered here on the show, Hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LockedOnDucks, or you can tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod to get a question answered right here on the show by yours truly. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, some news came out recently about Kayvon Thibodeau, and we all know how good he is, and most NFL GMs and scouts do as well. It's not as if they're now saying he's going to fall out of the first round, like some people said about <clears throat> Justin Herbert, which, you know, what a take that that ended up being. But anyway, so Todd McShay reported from the Senior Bowl that there is a feeling that Kayvon Thibodeau might fall out of the top five and that he's got a very high ceiling, but a lower floor than you would like, and that there are you know some commitment concerns, or that he doesn't play with the same drive or energy that you want in a top five caliber pick, and he could fall out of the top five to the middle part of the first round. And start off talking this talking about this by saying, don't harp too much here on Todd McShay. The reason is he's just reporting what he is hearing. I don't think he has a personal gripe with Oregon or with the Ducks. He is in the know with NFL scouts and GMs, and what he is being told are these things. So don't shoot the messenger there. If you want to be mad at anyone, just you know send your anger out into the ether at the NFL scouts and GMs, who could potentially, we'll see what happens come NFL draft time, pass on a really supremely talented guy at the defensive end position, which nowadays in the NFL is one of the hottest commodities in the sport. But don't shoot the messenger here. And I just found this to be so fascinating that this came out because this is not the first time that an Oregon recruit who was projected to go early in the first round as a high-end pick was suddenly getting overanalyzed or over-criticized and people were casting doubts on him, right? I just don't know what it is about the University of Oregon that leads that to be the case. But just for reference, a couple other guys coming out of Eugene that people, in retrospect, definitely overthought and overanalyzed. Justin Herbert. I don't know if you saw, he was the Pro Bowl offensive MVP. I mean, the Pro Bowl is unwatchable, but you know, it's still cool because he made the Pro Bowl in his second year. Also starting uh, for the FC along with DeForest Buckner. Pretty darn neat. Hashtag ProDucks. Nada, a five-star recruit for the Ducks, 
There were reports back in the day. I saw Jeff Schwartz talk about this. It's pretty funny. He said that, you know, there were reports coming out back then like, oh, Haloti Nada. I don't think he's really committed at practice. You know, that that that's the word. He's he's not as committed as he should be at practice. Schwartz shut it down immediately and said the reports that he didn't do that were only true in the sense that he didn't practice as much because he wrecked the drills. <laughs> they couldn't block him. He was too good. He went on, went on to have a Pro Bowl-level career. Panay Sewell, there were maturity concerns with Panay Sewell. He is now the best offensive lineman the Detroit Lions probably have. And he is an absolute, absolute stud and will be for years to come only going to get better. All of these guys, I don't know what it is about Oregon. I, I don't know what we did to the NFL scouting community as a school, as a fan base, to, to garner this sort of over-criticism, but apparently here we are. And here's what I know about Kayvon Thibodeau. He was the number one overall recruit in the class of 2019. The highest rated recruit, one of the 50 best of all time on the 24-7 composite rating, or one of the scouting agencies, he is a big-time guy. And not every number one recruit in the country pans out. Kayvon Thibodeau panned out. You don't get to that status for a reason. He has the physical traits. That's the first thing. Number two, he only got better over his time at the University of Oregon. If you watch him as a freshman, he made some impact plays. No doubt. He blocked the punt in the Pac-12 championship game against Utah. He had a bunch of sacks late in that game as well. He played well in the Rose Bowl. He uh, he forced interception, had another sack of Jack Cohn. There, there were a lot of things he did that were impactful during that freshman year. But he was kind of a one-trick pony, particularly in his first few games. We saw the physical traits. He's 6'5", almost 260, moves like a linebacker with explosive speed and a ferocious ability to just dismantle tackles and move all around. He's got great versatility, but he got a lot better and he got a lot stronger during his time at Oregon. And what that tells me is that he is coachable and that really matters because when you get to the NFL, you have to be willing to be coached. The best players are always willing to be coached. They're insane physical talents as well, guys like Aaron Donald, but I bet if you talk to any of the people who have been around these sorts of players or coach these sorts of players, they will tell you, yeah, these guys are coachable. They're able to take criticism, watch film, get better, improve. I saw him do that. He used to only be a speed rusher. By the end, he had a flurry of moves to get to the quarterback in pass rushing situations, and he is a lot better against the run than he gets credit for as well. Get to more on Kevin Thibodeau in just a sec, but Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game next week. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Not just football, Bet Online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, live, real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so Thibodeau ha is is getting these reports from from GMs and scouts, and his pass rush ability, his versatility is unquestionable. I mean, I think we saw that this year. There were times where I thought Tim DeRoyder almost used him in coverage too often. I don't think you should have never done it because there were instances where you drop him into coverage 
and all the attention is on him so much it frees up lanes for other guys like Brandon Dorless and Popo Amavai. There, there were moments where that was effective, but every third he should have been rushing the passer on every third down. There's no, no other way to look at it, and and that wasn't always the case. And I think as an offense going up against a guy like Thibodeau, if you're if you see him drop into coverage on third down as a fan, you go, oh, thank goodness, our offensive line actually has a chance. Because as we saw, particularly this year, his pass rush ability literally wins games. It won games for the Ducks. Think about UCLA and Cal this past year. Do we go 2-0 and there without Kayvon Thibodeau? Are, are we a 10-win team without Kayvon Thibodeau? I don't think so. I think it's probably an 8-win team or a 9-win team. I, I don't think that they would have gotten to 10 wins, even though they won some games without him, amazingly. Think about what, how different that Ohio State game would have been. Because there was no pass rush in that game whatsoever. But that's the impact he has. There is a pass rush, a noticeable one, that affects the offense and disrupts the game flow and makes an offensive coordinator scheme for him when he's in the game. And when he's out, C.J. Stroud can sit back there with a cup of coffee and throw the ball. And thankfully, our defense was able to bend but not break in that game. But the pass rush was terrible. There was no pass rush. It was, it was non-existent. And if you didn't double-team Kayvon Thibodeau over this past year, there was a great chance he was going to get to your quarterback or at least pressure the quarterback. You look at all the stats he put up. He had seven sacks in 10 games, 49 tackles. Ten of them were for loss. He, he put up really big-time numbers. It's hard to put up stats on a defensive line because it's just the nature of the position. It's a tough thing to do, but he did it. And you, you see the physical traits. You see the stats. You see the impact on the game, game in and game out. And I, I think that there's a reason he's been talked about as a potential number one overall pick. Now, Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan, he's a really good guy, too. I, I think that you you draft either of those players, and I think that you have an anchoring piece on your defensive line. Hutchinson, I think, has maybe a higher floor than, than Kayvon Thibodeau, but I think Thibodeau's ceiling is way higher than Aiden Hutchinson's. And I, I like Hutchinson, I do. I think Thibodeau is more explosive, and I think he's more versatile. And I think that's why I would I would take him over Aiden Hutchinson going into this draft, especially when there when there's when there's no top quarterback. I I would see him probably as the number one overall prospect, but depends on on team needs. And it, here's the other thing about about these reports coming out that that McShay ha, has brought to us, and I'm sure he's taking plenty of flack for you know reporting what he heard. And again. He's hearing this from scouts and GMs. So if anyone passes on Thibodeau and he ends up being a Pro Bowl caliber player, they're lost. And, and we as Duck fans gain in a sense because we would get to see Kayvon Thibodeau fall to a team that could perhaps contend in the playoffs or go to a stable organization, you know, rather than, unfortunately, Panay Sewell, who's really good. He went to the Lions, and it's going to be a little bit before they're good. But the other thing about the draft, I know, is it's really easy to overanalyze and over-critique prospects. It, it's a ridiculously easy thing to do. I think it's partially because there's a long time between the end of the college football season and the NFL draft, and so people just start watching more and more film or need things to talk about or whatever the case may be. Stuff just sits in our mind too long, or Thibodeau has been projected as the top pick in the draft for so long that Maybe people just kind of got tired of it, bored of it. They wanted something fresh or something new. That, 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 that's all possible. That's all certainly possible, and I, I've seen that be a part of it. I mean, Herbert, in retrospect, there were people who who really 
really said he might not be a first-round guy. I don't know if he's a type. I would take Tua. Really? How's that looking right now? You overthought it. Colin Coward said it great when he was talking about Herbert coming out of the draft. He's always been a Herbert guy, which is awesome for us as Duck fans because he influences the narrative in a significant way. But he said, look, he's a big body, big arm, four-point biology student. What exactly are we talking about here? He won a lot of games, helped turn around the, the Oregon football program, won a Rose Bowl. You see the mobility. What, what am I missing? And then Herbert gets to the Chargers, and you see from the very first game, oh my gosh, he is so good. And I think that Kayvon Thibodeau has the potential to be like that. He, he's so explosive and strong and multiple in the ways that he can attack tackles to get to the quarterback. It's just, I, I, I don't see him missing. I, I really don't. I think he's going to be a high-level player, and if there are GMs or scouts out there who overthink that, that's that's ultimately going to be their loss. And I think Thibodeau will be just fine. And I think hearing all this stuff is honestly good for him. Guys are always looking to play with a chip on their shoulder. I've been watching The Man in the Arena, which is awesome. I watched six episodes in a row on Friday because I had it was my off day, and I just started watching a couple. And then once I was a couple, I was like, man, I'm not golfing today. This is way too good. It's it's fantastic. But, you know, Brady's always had a chip on his shoulder. Guys need that sort of stuff. And I think this will do nothing except help Kayvon Thibodeau. And I certainly want to see that because he had an exemplary career with the Oregon Ducks and, and did a lot of really good things as we've gotten ourselves back into a position where we want to be as a football program. So I hope that, uh, honestly, I hope these reports are true. I, I hope that he falls to a good team so that we could see him in the playoffs next year. That, that's just always really, really fun, you know, to, to watch Pro Ducks. And that's one of the beautiful things, as I've said on this show, about college football is you watch him in the NFL and you're always rooting for him anywhere they go. Speaking of Pro Ducks, by the way, Herbert in the Pro Bowl, Buckner in the Pro Bowl, um, I will be interested to see what happens with upcoming free agent quarterback Marcus Mariota. You might have heard of him. He played at Oregon uh, a few years back. He, he did a few a few notable things in his career in green and yellow down in Eugene. But, you know, anyway, uh, he's going to be a free agent. I'll be interested to see with the quarterback carousel and this not being a quarterback-heavy draft if he gets another chance to be a starter. I think Washington could maybe be a fit. I think that, you know, that there are other places – Denver, maybe. I, th- I think Washington would be the, the most appropriate fit, honestly. I, I really do. I think he's uh, a better player overall than, than Taylor Heineke. But get to Oregon basketball and their win over Utah after I tell you that, look, it, it's the time of year where we've all given up on our New Year's resolutions, except this year you don't have to because you can go get Built Bars. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't tried, you're missing out on one of Built Bars' best tasting bars. The Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, as always. Go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most of the Built Bars have got 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order, promo code LOCKED15, for 15% off at built.com. Okay, let's do some basketball to wrap up the show today. And, and by the way, uh, the women have lost two in a row. They lost Arizona, then they lost Arizona State. I think they'll be fine. I, I'm really not worried about them. And look, they, they maybe won't get into 
a position where they're a top four seed in the tournament. But by by the end of the year, they'll be in the tournament, and I, I think the, they'll be able to rebound. Just you know, Arizona's a tough game. Arizona State not a great loss, but going forward, I expect them to be able to bounce back. The Mountain Sweep for the men. They beat Colorado for the first time ever, and then for the first time ever, beating Utah on Saturday. They complete the mountain sweep. I don't care how it happens. This is a tough thing to do. I know, even with Utah having a down year, being under 500, I know because it's the first time Oregon's ever done it. And they've not won three straight games by uh, three points or less. It's another win for the Ducks. They've won seven of their last eight. At this point in the year, you just got to keep the snowball rolling. You know, you just want to be playing your best basketball come March. But unlike the women, the men still have work to do to get themselves into a position where they can feel comfortable with, with their NCAA tournament resume and be able to get in without having to win the Pac-12 conference tournament, which is just not a spot you want to be in. Oregon has thrived under that pressure before. Last time they had to do that, they won it, got to the Sweet 16, lost to eventual national champion Virginia. But that's a, that's a level of stress I, I'd rather not go through this year with the Ducks. But th- this overall was a good win. I'll get to the ending, but... Oregon, you know, has really, really had some some nice performances this year. This was one of them, again, until the final few minutes. But, you know, they had a lead early. They were in control for most of the game. By the way, first dunk of the year, I am all in on uh, the hashtag Harmon Hammer. Damian Harmon threw down a, uh, a dunk on a breakaway situation. So I'm, I'm all in on that. But Will Richardson was awesome, man, and I, I think the more I watch him, the more I think this is going to be the last year we get to enjoy him as Duck fans, because he's 6'5", he, he can shoot, he can create his own shot, he's an excellent facilitator, a good and willing defender, he had 25 points, 10 of 18 from the floor, 5 of 7 from beyond the arc, to go with 5 assists, and he only had one turnover as well, and that's what you want from a guy who's been in the program this long, I think this is his fourth season and you want someone who has that veteran presence, who can carry you to wins. And he was uh, he was on another level in this game. And there were three other Ducks in, in double figures, all starters. Harmon with 12, Young with 14, Quincy Garrier, the X Factor for this team, 11 points and four rebounds. And uh, the big guys played pretty well. Kepnong and Dante, they were they were solid. Not the best game they've ever had once again, but you know just their presence inside and their ability to influence shots is is something that doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but is there every night for the Ducks. But Will Richardson, who is on the uh, midseason Bob Cousy Award watch list, as he should be, which is an award given to uh, one of the nation's top guards, just been playing it at an incredible level. And he really wasn't earlier in the season, but he is the undisputed number one on this team, and that's what Oregon needs him to be. You know, he's not going to go 5-7 of seven from downtown every game, but... When he does, Oregon's got a great chance to win. He was pulling up from deep. I mean, deep beyond the arc. And that's not something he has done, you know, the way Pritchard did his final year under Dana Altman, uh, just just pulling up from way outside. That's something that, that Will Richardson clearly can do, which is great. It's only going to bring defenders out more, allow him more driving lanes, and he's a really good finisher inside. But the Ducks now sit at 15-7, and 8-3 overall. They're second in the Pac-12 after UCLA lost to Arizona State in an interesting game with Dave Pash and Bill Walton. So the Ducks are now in a good position in a conference that is very strong at the top, and that's a good thing for for their at-large prospects. I think Lenardi right now has them sitting as the last four in, and they can raise that profile 
with their schedule going forward. But to do that with some very winnable upcoming games, I mean very, very winnable, they need to play the way they did for the first 35 minutes of this game, but they were up 71-57 with 5.23 to go. And then they sort of tried to coast to victory. They led most of the game, they were in control, and it's good they got the win, but you have to, you can't give teams hope like this. And on the road, this was a game Oregon easily could have lost by the end. Sloppy turnovers, poor defense, Utah hit some shots, just, you know, not having the tenacity they need at the offensive end. All of that sort of stuff comes into play. And I, I just think that if Oregon is going to finish this season the way that they need to, and they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, they got nine games left in the season. That's the one thing I had looked at before I came into the show. Sue me. Anyway, so um, they've got nine games left in the season. I think if they can go seven and two, they'll be in great shape. Six and three can do it as long as they're able to win a tournament game or two. But I, I think if they go seven and two here down the stretch with four winnable games upcoming, they have got Stanford, Cal, Washington State at home at Arizona State. Those should be four wins. If you can do that, you get to 19 and 7. That's not a given. You're 19 and 7, playing well, going into at Zona and then at home against UCLA and USC before ending the year on the road at the Washington schools. That gives you a really good chance to, to have a decent seed going into the tournament. But there's still a ways to go. There's still work to be done, but it's doable and at the end of the day, style points, not always critical, just would make it a little less stressful for us Duck fans, and hopefully they'll be able to execute that. And as John Rothstein says, his name is Dana Altman, and he aligns Rubik's Cubes and you know has his team playing very well towards the end of the year. Hopefully they can keep it rolling. Then They have now won seven of their last eight. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.